Hi, this is Matt Chandler, Josh Patterson, and Trevor Joy with the Village Church Podcast Show, Episode 11. Uh, Trevor is the spiritual formation pastor here at the Flower Mound campus. Uh, Trevor's been on staff with us for, I think, right around seven years. He was working at um, one of our church plants uh, before that. Uh, and so we're glad that Trevor is with us today. Uh, got a lot we're going to cover today. We're going to, on the life of the Village Church section, talk about covenant membership, our class, kind of the philosophy and theology beyond that. And then we're going to dive into culture and theology. Got a ton of questions uh, left over from Is God Anti-Gay, the forum we did with Sam Albury. Literally received hundreds and hundreds of questions. So we're going to tackle just a couple of those. And then finally, on ministry and leadership, we're going to look at lessons in ministry and how to execute. Execute uh, a vision and how ministry evolves and develops over time. So it's a it's a full show, a busy show, and so we're excited. So Josh, glad you're here. Yeah, good to be here. Excited to talk about membership a little bit and thinking about we've got a membership class coming up here at the church on May 16th in Dallas and May 17th at the other campuses. But really want to talk about why we do membership here at the church because it, it is a high value and it's something, and we'll even touch on it later on in the show a little bit as we talk about the evolution of ministry. Because membership here is one of those things that has indeed evolved. But, um, man, why, why do we value membership? I just want to put that question up there and, and begin to talk about that. Why, why, is, why does membership matter here at the church? Yeah, so when I first became the pastor here, this was a Willow Creek Association church, and, and they had uh, started a membership class. But basically what they had done is they had taken Willow Creek's class right. and, and were trying to kind of make that work here. Now the Just kind of plug and play. Yeah, which, which I, under, I, I appreciated the heart behind it. But, but ultimately, like week one, a tour of the campus in a, in a campus that had a 300-seat auditorium and one building. Um, that was the class. Yeah, that, that was week, that was one, week of one of the class. So um, I appreciated the desire to have the class because historically Baptists um, have done kind of a, a come down front and, you know, right. just everybody kind of affirms them without knowing them, knowing anything about them, knowing what they believe, whether or not they actually are in good standing with the church they've moved to you from. or um, And so we, we wanted to really lean into what we believed the Word of God taught about the local congregation and its purpose in discipleship. And that, about belonging yes, to Yes, so we, that you don't go to a church, you belong to right, one. Right. And, and the more you just go to a church, the more you miss out on the benefits of the sanctifying work of Christ in your life because the, the primary channel by which we're sanctified is the local congregation. And, of course, there's other, there are other pieces and, and, and other things the Lord uses to shape, but biblically speaking, the primary lane, that, that God shapes us and grows us into the image of the Son is the local church and the local congregation. So without a commitment to that, without a clearly defined expectation for this is what it is, this is who we are, this is how we're on mission together, then then instead you get a lot of people who treat the local church. I think the the imagery I've tried to use before is a, an ecclesiological buffet. Right. Um, they, they join the church not because they're in on the mission or they believe that they can submit to these elders or they believe um, you, you know that that good ministry and teaching is occurring, but rather because they like the children's program or they um, think the music's great. Or we, which I'm not saying that children's programs and and music aren't a factor. I'm saying those are preference area, secondary kind of issues that should be considered after is the gospel faithfully being so preached. So if, if somebody comes, sits in the weekend gatherings, you know they they've been doing it for years, and um, why why should they? 
jump into membership? Are there benefits to this? Is there certain access that people get with membership? Are there special privileges? Like why, why join a church? Why say I'm in? Like do do I get something from that, yeah. or is it? What would you guys say to me if I'm if I'm just kind of a regular attender, a guest of a church, and haven't taken that step towards membership? Yeah, I think, and I love the way we even frame our membership class is. Is when people come into that class, we're really we're really framing to them and telling them, "Hey, we're here to train you to be a member." And so this isn't just another obstacle we're trying to put up, another you know another hoop you have to jump through to be a member of. Hey, come come attend this little forum and then you know sign your paper and come in. But we're really trying to train you and equip you to be a faithful and functional member um, because there is there's the participatory aspect of being a member. There's things that I get to belong in, but there's also a being aspect of being a member. There's there's something I am pouring into and giving into and giving my life into. And, and uh, the, you know, the Bible, the membership is even a tricky word because when you think of membership, you think of hobbies, you think of um, things that clubs that I belong to. But the Bible isn't, isn't concerned about the, the preference aspect of it, that approach to it. The Bible's concerned about your citizenship in the kingdom of God and, and us submitting our lordship. Well, I think that's why some churches have even gotten away from the word membership. They call yeah. it investors yeah. or partners or they, they've tweaked the language. Yeah to move away from this idea that that you're joining simply because you get benefits rather than you get the opportunity. Again, this is this is kingdom economics, right? right it's an right. upside yeah. down understanding of the world where if you want to live, you got to die. Yeah. And and if you want um vibrant, intimate community that you you sacrifice and you serve. And I think something to consider with membership is is the benefit of membership is covering. Yes. Is right. that I'm yeah. a part of a body. And this body is covering me, and I, I think and even oversight. yeah, care oversight uh, with with the elders of the village. The primary view by which they're looking at this church, in a sense, is through the membership. That's who we're praying for diligently over and over again. That's who we're investing care in, and so there is a real covering oversight care piece um, that that those who are not a member of the church don't necessarily have in the same way. And, and I, I think that's just something to be mindful of. It's not that we're going to neglect caring for people who aren't members, but there is something about those who have jumped in with both feet and placed yourself under the care and, and direction of the church. And so there's so much here. We may need to have a whole other show on, yeah. on membership itself. But uh, looking forward just to kind of turning the conversation now a little bit and diving back into some of those questions, which I was so encouraged by. But we we had hundreds to pick from, so we're going to pick a few here just to talk yeah. about. So a few weeks ago, we had the podcast show with uh, Sam Alberry, and uh, during that same time, we had a forum where uh, Sam walked us through the question, is God anti-gay? And we received uh, a considerable amount of feedback, really positive, really encouraging and, you know, we opened up the form for questions, and we were inundated with questions, literally hundreds of questions. We did our best. We spent a full hour yeah. answering those questions at the forum and wanted just to come back here to address some of the questions that we simply ran out of time uh, to address uh, a couple of weeks ago. And one, one of the questions that came up is, should I talk to my kids about homosexuality? And and when is that appropriate? How do I handle this as a Christian? Do I do I need to fear exposing them to all of this? And I think about this with my own kids. Um, you know, I've, I've talked about this. I actually 
chose not to bring my kids to the forum. And I've got a nine-year-old. That's my oldest. And the reason that I did not bring her is because I have not broached this subject with her yet. But I have broached the subject of sexuality with her. And and honestly, have broached that, that conversation with my six-year-old. And, and entering into that conversation, I think as a parent, what I want to do first is talk about God's design for sexuality. Yeah. This is what sexuality looks like biblically. This is how God has made us male and female, created us in his own image for his glory. Uh, this is what, uh, when and where and, and, and how sexuality is to take place. I mean, those are conversations that I've had at different levels with, with my nine-year-old and my six-year-old. And moving from, from God's good design to then talk about, uh, as they know, we're broken people. And because we're broken people, there's broken sexualities. And so that's how I would encourage a parent to enter into that conversation. But if a parent hasn't had the conversation about sexuality first and the good design behind it, um, I, I think it would be really challenging to have the conversation about yeah. homosexuality. What I found interesting uh, as, as we walked through this with some of the parents was that there were parents of high school kids and junior high kids that had not yet had the conversation with with right. their families yet. And to me, that was way behind the eight ball. Yeah, and, there's no doubt. Uh, and, and so, again, just to encourage parents to press into the conversation about sexuality young uh, and early uh, because it's a good conversation. It's a healthy and beautiful and right conversation. But moving from the good design into the brokenness of it. So you, the, you've used some you've used some pretty cool resources with, with your yeah. kids that are just kind of basic. Talk about those yeah, little books. It's, that it's just used. an age appropriate resources, and and it really uh, it's called the story of me, and it's a four book series, and it starts with kids at age three. And then it goes to six-year-olds and nine-year-olds. And so as they grow, I've just been reading these books with them and having conversations. And so it's, it's honestly uh, more awkward for Natalie and I to have the conversation yeah, experience yeah, than it was for the kids. I looked the kids over and are, heard giggling, and I was like, yeah. is that my daughter? No, no it's my wife. wife. Okay. Yeah, that's that's okay. So um, <laughs> it, it just felt right to have those conversations. And, and again, that's a series you can find it on Amazon called The Story and of Me. And another thing I would add on, on this front is there, there are some of you listening that are going to have life stories and circumstances. Absolutely. They're going to press these conversations um, earlier. Uh, so I know as I consider my own children, I have 12, 9, and 5, but we, we've had some um, sexual abuse in our family uh, years ago, decades ago even. Um, and, and so we, we are still around those family members from time right. to time. And uh, so just very early on, we were having the conversation with all of our kids about, hey, you don't touch anybody, nobody touches you. And, and so the idea of sex, um, or at least you know, the, the idea of sexuality w- was introduced very early, early on just yeah. for protection and, and press certain, inside. it pressed certain did. topics it that, did. that some families may not need to address until later. And sure. so even the homosexuality conversation, uh, if you have a family member that is living a gay lifestyle, it forces that conversation earlier for you. But again, I think it's parent directed parenting. Yeah. That's and right. so you're stepping into the situation with your kids and having the conversation, the conversation about sexuality, I think needs to happen at a young age. Yeah, start the conversation. Start, start it. Don't it's jump in halfway with it. Already been exposed yeah. to it and have to stare yeah. it. Again, you check out that resource that we talked about. It's, it's yeah. good. Um, so, you know, just this past week, uh, a, a, a big conversation topic uh, was around uh, transgendered and transgendered people. And, yeah. and obviously with the Bruce Jenner 
uh, interview, which which millions and millions uh, of viewers watch that and have been talking about it since. We received this question before uh, uh, Jenner came out with his story, but uh, addressing the idea of being transgender or transsexual, how do we understand that biblically? Yeah. What does that look like? How do we process well, that? First, I at watching Bruce Jenner, my, my heart just broke for him, um, talking about everything from <clears throat> being really depressed and struggling with suicide to living a lie to all, all things that I believe that um, the Lord wouldn't have for him. Yeah. Um, and so, and at the same time, the complexity of of what you're talking about, uh, like even the LGBT uh, that that community, they they continue to add letters now just as a clarification on exactly what we're talking about. So I know the New York Times um, had an article in January, and it was LGBTQIA. And, and so they continue to have to add, you know, add letters to clarify what they're talking about and what this community actually is. But, but I think if you're talking about transgender, and uh, you've got to go back again, and you're going to hear really on this subject, you're going to hear a refrain of God's design and God's good design and and, and that we have been wired a specific way, and we're all born uh, in iniquity, all born broken. And so, yes, God's sovereign. Yes, God is good. But, but we're born broken, and it's Christ that comes in and redeems in that brokenness. So the brokenness itself serves the, the purpose of redemption. And so the brokenness, you've you got to do something with the reality that everyone's got a bent and a brokenness yeah. intrinsic with who they are. Right. I mean, nobody's born clean, I guess is the way I would say. We're right. all born with a bent, and, and a bent not towards righteousness, but but towards unrighteousness. And so in, in Bruce Jenner watching his special, it, it became apparent that the bent that he was going to struggle with is not the bent that I struggle with, uh, that I have to fight against, that I have to submit myself to the Lord in and, and ask the Lord to continue to work and heal and and bring about victory in my own life. His is this issue where he is biologically a male but feels at the soul level that he's a female. And so um, the the Bible would speak to that like it would speak to all sorts of sexual sin. And, and I think we've said this and said this quite a bit at the forum, that, that all of us are sexually broken. There, yeah. There's no one who's not sexually broken. And so um, transgender, if we, we use Bruce Jenner, uh, Jenner um, his transgender, transsexual kind of um, mentality or, or soul, as he, I think he called it, um, that, that needs to be addressed by what is true and right and good and then submitted to um, in, in a way that honors God and ultimately leads to um, him living the life that God would have for him. Yeah, and and this this again comes back to the bigger question of is this how God made me? Is this how do I process this being born with a sin nature? And and again, the principle there is the reality that when God created, He created Adam and Eve, and He created them perfect, and He created them in His image to glorify Him. He created a male and female, which is distinct and different. And and then post post Genesis three, brokenness enters in and. And there is a totality, in a sense, to how people are broken. And, and it manifests itself in a myriad of ways. It will manifest itself sexually. Yeah. It'll manifest itself emotionally, spiritually. Um, but all of us start broken. Yeah, all right. of us start broken. Right. And we finish glorified in Christ. And yeah. so uh, this side of glorification, it's just 
we, we live a life submitted to Christ. And, and whether that's one who struggles with a transgendered or identity confusion, same-sex attraction, uh, a, a, uh, just a myriad of different things. And yeah, so hope and remedy is the gospel. Yeah, the remedy is the gospel. And, and I think if you if you take, I, I said this at the forum, that, that I feel like this issue becomes, becomes kind of a bully issue that pushes its way in, but that ultimately if you... If we took the LGBT and we took the transgender off the table and we instead put, so we have a pastor here at the Village Church, and in fact, a, a campus pastor of ours whose testimony is that he struggled with deep depression and anger as far back as he right. can remember. In fact, he was medicated very early on in his life, like like barely walking kind of this kid is angry right. and depressed. And, and the idea that that's just who he is and we should just give him over to that would be scoffed at by everyone, and and he wasn't hurting anybody. He he just was angry and depressed. But but we did all we could, you know. And I'm talking secular world right now. We did all we could to help him not be and come out of what. If we're arguing, hey, I felt this since I was as as far back as I can remember. His testimony is I felt angry and depressed, melancholy as far back as I can remember. But nobody's going to say, well, that's you. That's who God made you to be. You should just just stay there in that depressive, angry state. No, no, no. We enter that fray with the good news of the gospel and and with what God's given us in the common grace of if there's mental illness there, if there is chemical imbalance there, we, the gift of common grace to kind of uh, bolster up and, and help um, a, a brother or sister stand uh, while they work through their heart and, and mind. And so with with those who do struggle with SSA and, and who eagerly desire healing, where, where they say, you know, I just, um, this is a battle. It's been a lifelong battle. What can, what can they expect? What can they hope for? What can they long for? What can, what should they anticipate life looking like? And, um, you know, we did talk about this a lot, but I I think it's appropriate just to kind of come back to it and, and, and kind of end this segment even with that question. So, for the one who struggles with SSA, wants healing, what's next? Yeah. So I had a girl come up to me after the forum. It's such an encouraging conversation. And, and she said, uh, hey, can you pray for me? I have struggled with strong same-sex attraction for as long as I can remember. Um, and I asked first, I thanked her, and I said, thank you for trusting me with that. Thank you for having the courage to share that with me. Can I ask you, is there anybody else in your life that knows about the struggle? Uh, and she said, my mom. That's the only other person in my life that knows. And and so my encouragement to you out there if you're struggling with that, same thing that I encouraged her with is, man, God didn't create us to to pursue this alone. He has given us community. He has wired us and designed us to do life with others in community. And so my encouragement to you is is don't go at this alone. That's the lie, especially with this struggle. That's the lie of, of the... Uh, fear of bringing this out in the open of the shame and the scorn and uh, and just the press against that light and bring it into the light and even just to see her confess that to me the freedom that was on her face of shedding light into darkness and the hope that there God has given us a community to walk in and press uh, against this together and and it's the same hope for her as the same hope for me and my fight and struggle that I have just as much struggle as she does and my hope is the remedy is the gospel and the gift of uh, grace of God in my life is community. And you keep fighting the good fight. Yeah, I, I said in on Easter that the dance of sanctification for almost all of us is two steps forward, one step back, two step forward, one step back, two step forward, one step back, and sometimes two step forward, two step back. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But the grace of God compels us to keep getting up and keep pursuing him. Um, and so I think you can expect um, days that are easy, 
um, and days that are hard and weeks that are easy and weeks that are hard and months that are easy and months that are hard. And, and the grace of Christ continue to bid you to keep pursuing. Yeah. You're going to stumble and fall yeah. like anybody in any other um, kind of bent. But, but you're struggling, you're stumbling and falling is not unaccounted for in the cross of Christ. Amen. Amen. Great conversation. I'm sure we'll continue having it as it's needed and necessary. But I want to turn now and begin to talk just a little bit about ministry and leadership and uh, talk about ministry design and development and deployment. When I was in college, I had this phrase that uh, I felt like the Lord just gave me as I was thinking about the life that I wanted to live and uh, the the person that I hoped to become, all of these types of things, where it was a, a simple little phrase, and it was action over intention, uh, because I felt like I could look back in my life and see a bunch of aspects where, man, I had some good intentions, some good hopes, but I never put action to it. And, and there was this kind of haunting reality about someone who lived a life full of good intentions and never put action to it. Yeah. It just felt like that, that was even a worse life than the one who never had the intentions to begin with. You know, the, the one that never even had the good idea, uh, didn't know what he didn't know. Yeah. It was like, man, I had this idea, and then I didn't do anything about it. And so uh, that was kind of my mantra through college, and I, I thought about it a lot. And and really want to bring that into the context now, talking about ministry and thinking about ministry design, thinking about churches that have vision, churches that have hopes and dreams. And and I think this works not, not just for a church, but really any organization or any person yeah. that wants to talk about how do we move from ideas to implementation. Yeah. And I think one of the one of the kind of marks of the church is it in a, not all churches, but a lot of churches, it's really easy to get in a room with a whiteboard and draw up a design. It, that's not the hard part. Yeah. The hard part is not coming up with a crafty statement uh, or having a real um, kind of dynamic vision. Sure. What's hard is <laughs> putting that thing into action that's and right. working it out and and um, and so that that's kind of framing up this conversation. Yeah, I think over the last here. the last ten years, as I've sit, I've sat down with churches, they they really do have most of them have great documents. Sure, that's right. um, or even you know as the as doors have been opened for me as the village church has grown, um, that there are a lot of guys out there that have written books on philosophy of ministry. That once you get to their churches, it's not really activated. It's right. not, that's not what they're doing. It's, it's a, a good philosophy. Idea. Yeah, it's a philosophy. Yeah. Yeah. It's just the practice. And I also think that for whatever reason, and God help us, uh, I think the church more so than other organizations um, is, I don't want to be careful calling the bride an organization, but it's speaking organizationally, um, is filled with people who um, aren't necessarily at times as hard of workers um, or, or as uh, great executors as you would find, say, in the business world or mm. something like that. So, Trevor, this is something, man, that you you spend a ton of time on. Yeah, yeah. And your role here is is one of the aspects of that role is taking design to deployment. That's right. You know? Yeah. And so, chat with us. Like, what what are what are things that you do? What are just practical tips, tricks? tools that you use that you have in your arsenal that kind of help move the ball down the field? Yeah, I think one of the, as we talk with pastors at different churches, one of the hardest things that they have to get their get their arms around is developing a process for execution. 
Um, and, you know, every, every church, every organization has a different level of complexity to it. And so you know, the Flyer Mound campus, you know, the, the size really here is a level of complexity, even the size of the staff. And so when I think of the Flyer Mound staff, I really have a team of teams. Um, and so a staff of about 42 different, uh, different folks, all gifted and godly and talented. Um, and each one of them lead uh, so well in, in their individual spaces, but they also make up a team. And so there's a collective direction that we're all going together, trying to move forward in a unified direction. And there's also all these different ministry aspects, uh, different departments that they're leading in week in and week out. And so really practically how, how I try and lead here to make sure that we're continually moving the ball down the field. And that's the language I use here with our staff is that we want to always be moving the ball down the field. Traction is such a big deal. We don't want to just stay in the land of talk. We want to move into traction. Um, and to do that, you need plans that are executable and accountable. So you can have a great mission statement. You can sit in a room and put that dream on the whiteboard. But if it's not executable, if it doesn't translate to the ground, and it's not measurable, it's not accountable, then that's when I think you start, you start losing some of its worth and you just stay in that land of theory and not into the land of practice. Now, so much of, so much of what happens in church life is hard to measure. Yeah. So when you're talking about so it, and and if we're ultimately all of us if if they're in the church world here that the end goal is making disciples so we'll, we'll have different variations of that but if you're listening to this you're a pastor your mission statement should reflect that you're after making disciples right. um, and so but so much of disciple making is extremely difficult to measure so when we're talking about execution and measurement walk us through some of that in regards to how we would how we would measure kind of that, the, the ethereal aspect of faith, which is progressive sanctification, growth as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And I think a great example of that is our mission statement. And so when I came on staff at the village seven years ago, our mission statement was to glorify God by seeing lives transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, which are we after that? Absolutely. Um, is it practically measurable? That That's when it gets a little bit more difficult. Yeah. And so several years ago when we... Uh, really got in a room and recrafted a mission statement. That was the goal behind it, saying we want the mission statement something be something that we come back to that really drives us forward. Um, and, it, and on the other side, really is something that we can look back and measure. Uh, and so our mission statement is to glorify God by making disciples through gospel-centered worship, gospel-centered community, gospel-centered service, and gospel-centered multiplication. And these are that's really the uh, the picture and the process for us here. And so, um, you know, that's, as a staff, we come back to that. We, we worked hard that the staff know and own and understand that vision, uh, its implications. That's something that really guides our process. And so practically here at the campus, um, you know, the, one of the ways that we kind of help move the ball down the field here, just practically with my team, is I'll gather once a quarter, I'll gather my department heads in a room, and we, we work in 90-day maps here. So we take a quarter at a time. Um, so we, we get in a room, and we kind of put these goals down on paper and say, what do we want to accomplish in the next 90 days? And we don't put it on there unless you can achieve it in 90 days. We want to, you know, eat the elephant one bite at a time. So it, this, is a big, this is a big church, big campus, tons of things to be done. But if we're really going to get down to execution, if we're really going to uh, really be after the, the goal of making disciples in all these various contexts, we want to we want to do that in a way that that's executable and accountable. And so we put those goals down on paper. We present them to one another, and we push and pull on those goals. And when we walk out of there, we have this is what we're going after the next ninety days, and that we have an executable plan for this that has action steps. It has people involved because we want to always be inviting people into leadership, um, and it has a measurable. What are we What are we after? So um, this certain project project has a product has something that we're after at the end. 
So flesh that out. Just let me let me ask you a question to nuance that. Are you saying that that the team itself, the campus itself, walks away? I know the answer, but I'm asking so yeah, that you yeah. can tell me yeah. and tell us. The team itself has one collective goal, and the departments also have their goals. Like, w- what are you working towards here? Are you working for this is what the campus is moving forward doing collectively, or this is what we're doing individually, or both? I would say yes, yeah, both. And so the the piece to that of of having all the department heads in the room and all of them sharing with one another, this is where we're going. Uh, what we're doing in there is creating clarity and unity. Um, we're making sure everybody knows this is where we're going. We're all having a part to play in that. So I'm inviting so this is these the rally voices. Call. This is this, this is, is rally. rally this call is what we're doing. This is where we're going. Speak into it. I'm inviting you into in this space. Help us lead. Help us press. What was the forward. last one? What was the last one you guys did? Uh, the oh, last wow. one we did actually was this past Monday. And so it was kind of the beginning of the second quarter. We all got together. We have these big white sheets of paper we put on the wall. So if it's Rob Daniels or Carl Brower, these depart- guys that lead to these various ministries, whether it be connections, high school, groups, they're going to put their goals up on the wall and say, this is what I'm going after the next 90 days. So there is, they're going to show an executable plan. And we're going to speak into that and challenge one another because we want to make sure, one, can you achieve this in 90 days? Two, are there, are there ways you can invite other people into this? We don't want you to have to be the point person for all these things. How can you uh, give invitation to leadership? How can you delegate responsibility? And then what that also builds in is accountability, that when I meet with my staff, so another piece to this, another key piece to this is every week I'm meeting a one-on-one with, the, with these staff members, and this is what we're coming back to. So this map really is every week what we're coming back to and saying, how are we moving in this? How are we uh, – we're holding one another accountable. How are we executing um, and if we didn't have that, if it just stayed in the land of theory, we have this this kind of grandiose idea, but we don't have an executable plan, then we have nothing to come back to. Yeah. So in, in terms of rhythm here at the church, and I'll, I'll just talk about this this briefly, is Mondays are typically kind of a one-on-one day where, where uh, a guy or a girl will meet with his or her direct reports to cover some of these things, to talk through just exactly what, what you just described. You're checking in. Yeah. You're checking in both on their hearts, but the, yeah. you're also checking in with with the role relational and tactical yeah and so what we've what we're called here to do and to accomplish and then then tuesday becomes that day where the executive staff meets and and that room is really an execution type room i mean it's a strategy room it's an execution oriented room and then we move into campus meetings and so that rhythm is that rhythm where where these these things are coming up and we're discussing them now now we're not a we're not a business. The bottom line is very different than yeah, it would be right. for an organization, a for profit company or entity. And that's not what we're about. But that doesn't mean that we're not to be held accountable yeah. for how we're spending our time and our days and our energies and resources. That we're to put these things forward with the same diligence, if not more diligence, right. yeah. because we're compelled by the love of Christ to work hard at these things and whatever these things are. It could be uh, designing, developing, implementing an event. It could be a ministry process. It could be sermon prep. I mean, what you're doing in sermon prep is you're you're pressing in yeah. and mining the text and pressing into the Spirit, but you're giving yourself to that yeah. and you're held accountable to that. And so, you know, one of the things that you've got as it regards to that particular accountability, you've got a service review meeting where you're going through that and reviewing the service and getting feedback on the message and all of those types of things. And so it, it, it really doesn't matter in a sense um, what the task is before us. The idea is that we're to move the ball forward and to be accountable for yeah. how we're doing that and stewarding that. And so if I think about the church and 
you know, I've been here 11 years, Matt, you're coming up on 13 and Trevor, you've been here for seven and been a part of some real significant changes here at the church. It, it just has evolved. Yeah. I mean, there are just things I think about membership. We said this at the beginning of the show that, that what we did with membership early on is, is different. We've yeah. grown in our theological richness around the topic and and we've also grown in our philosophy and practice around it. And so there is this evolution. Things have gotten stronger. Things have gotten better. Things have gotten clearer. And and I think fighting for clarity is one of those that's just that. hallmarks that something that's that right. we're, we're just you wanting. You can't leave without clarity. Yeah, you just can't, you can't do it. No. So and, what is the—I think this would be helpful for the guy that's pastoring a church right now. He's listening to the podcast— He's running 200. He's starting to feel the strain of the, this action over intention um, press. What, what are kind of good practical, if this is you, brother, here's, here's where I would start in regards to tools, in regards to a good book to read. In the, I, I know for me, C.J. Mahaney wrote a book called Biblical Productivity uh, that, that I've loved and have used um, for, for several years now, but you're talking about a, a 90 day map. Is there a place they can find that 90 day map? Are there books you would recommend? Yeah, I think there's, man, especially when you get in the realm of leadership, there's just a ton of experts and there's, there's a ton of material. I think of, um, getting things done, the things that are organizational, you know, in, in origin. And so the books that are helping you provide structure to what you're doing, those things have helped contribute to it. Um, and I think, of, I think of more leaders than I do books. So sure. I think of, People that finding people that are further ahead that have led in that space because the biggest challenge to building structure for execution is complexity. Yeah, so you're it's, talking coaching, find a coach right. kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, find somebody that's led in that space that's led through change and really see, learn from what they've done well and what they haven't done well. And that's been the, the biggest help for us here. And really what we spend a lot of our time doing outside is, is helping pastors lead through seasons of change and seasons of complexity. Um, and, and so that's people, the biggest help. people love change. Don't they? Oh, they like, people love it. Yeah. They want it. They're like, yes. this thing that's so awesome, we should change it. <laughs> so change. Yep. That's, uh, that's, I mean, the reality is there's a great article by a guy named John Cotter who said it's a Harvard Business Review article, What Leaders Really Do. Yeah. And he sums it up, and he says this, what leaders really do is they navigate change. And, uh, man, change is complex, and it's difficult, and it's emotional, and it can be so for the leader, not just those uh, he or she is leading. Um, but, but it's also unavoidable. And I think you can have an unhealthy pace of change no where organizations, churches, entities, whatever it is, have such rapid change that it creates a sense of organizational ADD. Uh, It's distracting, it's unhelpful, but change for the sake of moving towards clarity, change for the sake of course correcting, change for the sake of the context is pressing on this, change for the sake of these types of reasons is good, and and it's right, and it's necessary. And you just have have to press into that and, and be willing to lead through that. And then be willing to make mistakes when you, when you have led in such a way that has, <laughs> has been unfruitful, yeah. been unhelpful. And I can think, you know, just personally, there's a litany of mistakes that I that I have made, and I think that we have made as as a church. And I, I have made wrong hires. I have missed it on both ends of that. I've, I've put people in wrong seats on the bus before. I've um, I've just made mistakes. And, and as a leader, by God's grace, there, there's a culture here 
that it's okay to make those mistakes so long as they're not categorical, um, but being willing to admit that. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and even publicly. Publicly. Own it. You know, I think about um, there was a sense where I shouldn't, I shouldn't call it a sense. It was a very real fact where our <laughs> staff was not responding to emails. You know, and, yeah. and it had just become a part of our culture where we had a lackluster response, a reputation, a reputation yeah. and had earned that. And and so one of the things that we did is just publicly apologize for that and make a change because we had let or I'll say I had let that culture creep in here. And and then it was time to address it and make the change. And so, again, man, I, I, I just wish we had more time to, yeah. to flesh out more of this in conversation. Mm, come back um, to it. And we can. Yeah. We can come back to it. But, um, man, thanks for joining us on the podcast show today, oh, yeah, Trevor. Time. Great time. Great having you. Um, I, I think this is a record. We, we went this entire podcast show, and Trevor did not spill hot coffee didn't break on anything. anyone. Didn't, didn't break, break anything. anything. Nothing. And so that's a win. Yeah. We so. should do a show just Personally, on the stuff that Trevor has broken here at the church. That would be a two, two, two part. Two well, we've got it. That's what we've I'm saying. The time. We've got it. Well, we'll look forward to the next It'd be show. More of a podcast than a podcast, would it be? I think. Yeah, I think so. Trevor, I'm trying to land the plane here. <laughs> <laughs> Looking forward to joining with you on the next podcast show. <laughs>